Welcome to the Casey Adams Show, Dan Cook. Oh, How yeah. How you doing? Man. Oh, doing great. Thank you I'm so doing, much. I really appreciate this. No, come stop. This is this is. Uh, I'm glad we're finally getting a chance to do this. Absolutely. I know. Are we allowed we've to been, say we've been back oh, channel DMing? We've been, we've been chatting for I feel like almost two years. Yeah, back man. and forth on Instagram. It's it's been. Uh, I feel like uh, the podcast was already done in the DM. <laughs> we just need to act. Sure. Let's just read off what yeah. we'd actually initially uh, put down there. No, absolutely. <laughs> well, I appreciate you having us at your beautiful home today. Oh, thank you. It's it's so cool. Like just before we got started, I told yeah. you I was like. I feel so at peace here and right. you know just to like jump into it I, as i was coming over i was just thinking about um just through diving into your story and background you were selling out madison square garden when i was i think four years old like 2004 <laughs> right. 2005 yeah and i think i felt about four or five years old <laughs> and, and I on that, some days <laughs> I, I say that because like understanding your story and the level that you did it being one of the first comedians to do like an arena tour like right. that to then you know grabbing the water out of the fridge and you're like you know i used to stock shelves and right. i'm turning the labels like yeah. how do you feel about your life today considering your background and just, oh, like wow. talk to me about like your life today 2023 and like how you currently feel about who you are and how you spend your time oh wow yeah it's um well how i feel today is i feel um curious about you know where can I take all the data and all the you know trials and tribulations and you know to me it's always like okay now I get to everything's like chapters or eras right and then I go like okay now coming into this phase of my life what do I want to take from the 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 scared years growing up yeah. uh, but why was I scared I'll quickly partition it's like grew up in an alcoholic household grew up in a house that was. Um, kind of uh, always uh, a bit like skewed. Everything was a little bit on a tilt. Okay. I didn't know this growing up. I just yeah. kind of thought you, you, you know, you fight for your life and you're always kind of holding on like, what is the household going to, you know, be today? And yeah. And so I grew up in a lot of fear. I, my mom was phobic. I had anxiety. I was an introvert. I just, you name kind of like you throw a, a dart at like a, you know, a board filled with, um, elements of, of issues and I, you would hit something that I I endured growing up so looking at that and then wanting to be in a home someday that was level you know yeah the the goal there was two goals there was how can I reach the upper echelon in a career and, that's, yeah, and I don't know absolutely. that's that's a lot out of your hands it's hard work but then zeitgeisting yeah. and preparation luck and, and politics and just a lot of <laughs> you know hooey and bullshit and you know handshaking and yeah. but more importantly was like can i create a foundation someday so that when i come home i feel uh peaceful mm -hmm. you know instead Absolutely. of more chaos yeah. so yeah yeah we're sitting in a place that i, I think is like that's indicative the, of that the epitome of peaceful here yeah today, for sure oh cool yeah. now when it your story coming from boston like how did comedy become a part of your life? And like, where did this idea for wanting to be a comedian, like, yeah. did you want to growing up? Or yeah. how did comedy come to your life? I did, I really did. I loved funny people. They were they were part of that nice uh, escape hatch yeah. through that portal, through the TV of, of like, okay, you know, if, if I'm laughing, if my family's laughing, uh, there was a sense of, like, that, that calmed things down, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? That was like, there was a sense of camaraderie as totally. well through laughter so I was identifying like oh man you know comedy that I'm seeing like on on um, comedy on, on television comedy through you know films that we watched uh, brought some it brought some um, it sometimes even brought like introspection because we would actually be able to talk about comedy or something we watched and I liked 
the dichotomy of my family conversation based on things that entertained us. Yeah. So I think I looked at that as like, man, if I could be, and then I'd be making them laugh. <laughs> I'd stand up next to the TV and I'd pretend I was in the scene that was happening in the living room. Then I was in the next room going like, you know, I hear you, dad, I'm not coming out there. And like, they're laughing at me and they're laughing at the show. And I think that it was the first uh, indicator that, oh, I can, I can be a part of those things that hopefully help um, bring levity. Yeah. Um, and I fell in love with it, man. I fell in love with making people laugh. And I, I really fell in love with comedians. Those people felt like such a, a rare yeah. breed, you know, seeing that on TV. So for a lot of reasons, I was like, I got to give this a shot. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it's so special. Like growing up, I, I, I can't say I've been to a lot of live stand-up. I have over the years, I'm 23, right? I, I started traveling more so by myself yeah. for, for business when I was like 17 and been to a couple in New York. I saw you here in LA once. And it, you just, I look at comedians, like they bring so much joy to the room, to the world. Right. And, you know, being a comedian and making people laugh, but then ha coming from a world where, as you said, like things are on a tilt. Yeah. Do you look at it like it was an outlet for you, considering like your background Good way and, to, and yeah. how you viewed it? Or how did you view comedy and how it attracted you? It was, it was, uh, it was an outlet because I also felt like I, I was, um, I was very imaginative, you yeah. know, I would uh, get action figures and stuff and I would create not only like a, you know, kind of like a, a landscape with all these, you know, the G.I. Joe guys and the, yeah. the Barbies and the, I took everything I had toy wise and I would bring my family and I'd say, all right, this is the city's name. This is the world. And this is what this faction is against this faction. And I'd be like, I hid some other action figures at the other side of the yard. They're living in another village. And I'd literally yeah. go out into the yard and be like, you can't see them, but I, I built a place in that tree. <laughs> I had action figures all over the house wow. hiding in the attic, but there was an origin tale. There was a backstory. There were good guys that had bad intentions. There were, you know, bad actors that, you know, were going to turn. Yeah. And I think that my mom helped me to curate and cultivate this idea of like, you're a storyteller. Yeah. Really, is like, you're a storyteller. That means you could, you could tell jokes. You can, yeah. you can. She would always in, uh, in reinforce me like, it, it, you can be funny. You're gifted naturally to be funny. Yeah. But I think that there's more storytelling inside of you. And she always pushed me to try to figure out how to entertain people in ways that maybe were a little bit beyond just yeah. uh, tomfoolery and sure. you know the an antics and fucking craziness that stand up can sometimes you know offer yeah do you think like being a comedian do you think it's something that you're naturally gifted with like i know if i tried to go and stand up in front of the room and be a comedian i would have a hard time with it <laughs> and it's not easy it, yeah it's not i've easy. heard you say this before like, it's yeah. like when it comes to public speaking and controlling a room it, as you do yeah there's such an art to it and a craft and you're one of the greats at it like do you think you're more so born with it? Obviously, you're putting the reps. That's obviously one of the sure. most important aspects of it. There are, what makes a great comedian? There are a lot of elements that you, that need to be learned. You know, the the the, the, the confidence, joke structure, the, the business side. How do you get booked? There's so yeah. many things that you need to learn. Uh, in addition, but at the core of it, I think just having that ability to see things in a new and interesting way to go. Oh. Okay, I think that that's funny because, and and I knew early on I was kind of seeing the world through a different angle yeah. as maybe somebody more analytic or something of that nature. So um, I do feel like I was born with the, the funny bone, Yeah. <laughs> um, but I sure. think I had to get out of my own way and there was, a, there was a lot once I stepped into the the comedy clubs that I didn't realize came with it. 
and a lot of the pressure and a lot of the anxiety and there was there was getting away from it on stage in that moment because you didn't have time to think about you know anything worry or you know you got to perform but uh the 23 hours in the day leading up to getting to that show comes with its own set of circumstances yeah i'd love to hear you say like the anxieties like yeah. when it comes to some of the early stand-up mics you you did to then something like madison square garden right. how do you compare that like mentally going oh. into that the preparation like how have you changed your act and your style and what has led to those changes over yeah. time yeah i mean casey the the reality is all those hell gigs and sad road <laughs> shows where yeah. the manager left and didn't pay you and you drive home you know uh, with no gas and you're freaking out like all the formative years yeah. it's nice to say that now the formative sure. years right it was more like you know the dysfunctional for sure uh, you know surviving it, right it, it, those um those hardships you know the the obstacles and to finally take that to a, a place like even before madison square garden to be able to play beautiful venues yep. um well well-known clubs that i you know the improvisation or the laugh factory comedy yeah. store in new york the comedy cellar places that were, were having me i mean that already felt like such a a, a great accomplishment just Absolutely. to share the stage i used to perform at a place next to the comedy cellar in new york city it was called the cafe wa it was a jazz club that would also do a little comedy and the reason I wanted to play there was because I knew Pryor played in there. Richard Pryor played yeah. shows in there, and then he'd go over to the cellar. And so the the collection of stages that you get to play before possibly a Madison Square yeah, Garden or something, it all felt like, um, I didn't even want to say small victories because they all felt like big victories, just Absolutely. doing it. Um, but I think that when I, not to jump ahead, but like when I saw the, the arena's getting closer into view uh, then it was like I need to prepare myself as a as a person as a man as a business person yeah for what if I want that it's going to bring a lot with it am I ready for that you know yeah. so it was like introspection mode at that yeah. point no, I, I relate I, I I was telling you before the show I've done like 400 interviews and right. sometimes I'll talk to like new people starting shows or podcasts and they'll see the big name or let's say they're watching this interview and it's every interview had to happen to put me in the position to have you on the show or have whoever yeah. on the show and it's the the preparation and doing the reps totally and like you've done that hands down yeah what did like what did your life look like when you were doing the you know open mics you go up on stage like did you have this grand vision and how did you think about it back then right like i we live in a world today where like my buddy matt rife who i've met a couple years ago and yep. now he's like doing this crazy world tour right now yep um like his whole and you know and you know our backstory matt and i no please tell me no when he was 15 he saw me live at in an arena his You're grandmother kidding, brought me he wrote me and said i want to be a comedian i said finish high school and then come out to the laugh factory he flew out too early with his grandmother i met him at the club i said go home finish school and then when you come back out here so he comes back out when he was 15 15 years old wow. so then I start basically mentoring him and then man up until the 2019 um tell like it is tour I, I had him featuring for me and I was pointing at him every night going telling people like wow. bet on him yeah you know bet on him but I will yeah. tell I will that share is, one funny incredible. thing and, and you can bust his chops <laughs> on this I took him to Runyon Canyon 2018 <laughs> 
I said, you got to get into social media. And he goes, nah, man, nah, I don't want to like, I'm not, for a number, and he gave me all his reasoning. At the end of that hike, I looked at him, I said, you're going to go home today and you're going to fucking start social media. You're joking. I said, you're going to let people get to know you in that way. And he went, all right, man. And wow. it was like, I'm so glad everything he's done, he did. Yeah. No credit taken, but to be able to see like, hey, if you lean into that, yeah, I think you're going to be one of the people that, I mean, I'll say it now. It's like, I think next year he defines what stand-up comedy is. Wow. You know, for the that next is, generation. That's very, that's bold. That's incredible. Oh yeah. I believe he's, it's really the sky's the limit with him. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, going yeah. from that to then tens of millions of followers that he has on social. It's so cool. One of my yeah. buddies... I got to give a shout out to him, Michael Grew, and we were, this was probably 2018 when he was probably getting into scene. I was in New York, go to dinner, Hunt and Fish Club in New York City, and yeah, yeah, yeah. it's me, Michael, Matt, just getting to know him, had dinner, and we went to see him that night. Yeah. Where was Incredible. it? Incredible. you remember? I don't. I, Somewhere I, in the village? I really wish I could say yeah, but I wonder probably. Where okay, cool. <laughs> it was very small, like very, very small. New York. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and he was incredible, and like yeah. seeing that, and by no means we like hang out a bunch. We've been connected over the years, right. but to see the scale of that with social media, sh yep. short form content. Well, he's doing something that what I also think is I was fortunate enough to do is he's he's meeting his moment with his fans, and I think that's so uh, important. It's so unique because if you make it on a hit TV show or you make it ten other ways, and you're a comedian. It, things come and go uh, trends change and it's harder i've seen other people that have gone that way and get famous from a show yeah. it's harder to keep the the identity of who you are in your stand-up and the stand-up is your ability to like let people know i'm growing i'm changing yeah. this is the next journal chapter so i respect him and i love what he's doing because for the rest of his career wherever he takes it side items yeah He'll always at the foundation have made it yeah. as the thing that he's the best at. And that's, that's very, very gratifying. That's so it'll be fun to watch him over no, the next, you know. That must be so epic for you. Oh, dude, I'm sitting here like <laughs> the old bull on the hill going like, I told yeah. you, I knew it, I knew it. For so sure. it's, it's, you know, it's, um, and I was 28 when I broke through, when everything wow. started to click for me. So it's, I'm seeing it and I just, I told him, I said, I know that you're going to be spinning for a while, but like in those moments you need you need the legal help you need the voice of the person that isn't the new ex yeah, yeah i'm always in his corner that's incredible yeah i'm, I'm so glad we brought him up he's yeah he's, yeah he's awesome too. and just like you can we, cut this whole segment though. <laughs> he's got enough press okay Matt, you don't need right. any more chit chat about this right you, you understand you're happy with that <laughs> do, you, do you mentor like when it comes to up-and-coming comedians like, how do you think about that as someone yeah. that's like is one of the greats. How do you think oh, wow. about up-and-coming comedians and um, your role there? Yeah, my whole philosophy is, because I mentor a lot of people that are not even in stand-up comedy. Yeah. I've been, I've had the accessibility to me through social media, whether it's good or bad. <laughs> Sometimes you open it up and you're like, oh boy, okay, sure. well, I'm not sure if I'm ready for this today, but uh, most people have a good heart. And the when somebody reaches out and they're, and I can tell when somebody's really like, hey, I know your story or I've watched you on that podcast and you and Casey talked about da da da. Like when I can identify somebody's really searching for that, like yeah. I'm lost, I'm spinning. Uh, where I think that uh, I'm beneficial is I'm a Boston kid who's very assertive and I don't bullshit. So first and foremost, you know, if you ask me a question, 
I'm gonna, I'll tell you, even if it risks us <laughs> losing our, this moment of our friendship, I'm still gonna tell you my truth. It may not be yeah. your truth, but so I, I always offer up absolute, no bullshit truth. Yep. But my goal is to never tell a person how to proceed in performance, for example. My goal is to help me to help you to keep your, your, your integrity intact. Mm. My goal is, if I wasn't even a fan of what your performance art is, I would never tell somebody how to perform or what to change or like, oh, try wearing this or, I'll tell you what you should be looking for legally. I'll talk about inter, uh, intellectual property with you and how to protect it. I'll talk to you about like how to handle the, you know, the, the people that want to, you know, be on the pullout, you know, coattail or yeah. the groupies or yeah. the, and say, <laughs> I'll help with all of that stuff. Um, and even if you were to say, what do you think I should change in my act? That's not for me to know, or I don't know like what to tell you to be funny. I know that you need to figure it out even in failure to you know level up yeah, so yeah, of yeah i hate I, I shouldn't say hate i'm trying to <laughs> use, not use that word as much in my life i resent people that come in and try to tell a young entrepreneurial person how to perform and it happened a lot to me mm. you know i had people pulling me aside in boston saying you know you move around too much up there you know and, and what i learned later is that meant i'm intimidated following you i don't want i'm i I can't do what you do, so I'm trying to take that away yeah. from you. And so I always said, if I ever got to that place, I want to offer up love, advice, you know, tough love. Yeah. You know, I, I there's some people in my life I don't talk to right now. I love them, but they didn't want to hear the, you know, you're asking me. Yeah. You know. I love that. I, I'm gonna be straight up with you, and it's gonna hurt me to say it, but but I think you're asking me because you want the answer. And even if you defy it right now, and I've done this, and I'm thankful to say, I've had people come back sometimes years later when they're ready to go, like, hey, thank you for, you know, being straight up with me. Yep. And I've done it. I've done it to other people. I've gone to people and said, hey, thank you. I didn't want to hear that at the time, but you were right. You're right. Or if you weren't right, <clears throat> um, thank you for at least trying to identify what was different, because even if you weren't right, I was wrong too. Mm -hmm. So for all those reasons, my whole thing is like, I just want to be there as a, as a pillar, you know, as somebody who'll help you like s support your own, you know, journey forward. Cause you might be doing something that I've never done. You might be doing something you've never done. Maybe that nobody's ever done. Yeah. So all you can do is just keep like enhancing, like go for it, go for it, go yeah. for it, but be healthy, be well, treat people right. You know, and if you fuck up, let's try to figure out how do you make amends and, yeah, you know, totally. figure out ignorance and how to, you know, grow from it. All that stuff is really where I like to mentor. Yeah. I love that. Cool. And, and I think I relate to that so much of like being on the other, other side of that as someone that's 23 that started this game of like business, entrepreneurship, podcasting when I was yeah. 16. I, I, I initially had these thoughts of like, you see these aspirational figures or mentors or people that you want. Can to I ask you from. a question? Yeah. I know it's like, you know, you're, you're directing. No, I love it. But, but this is where I'm always curious. Like, you know, it didn't start when you were 16. So like, where did you have an idea like before that at some point, maybe it was something completely different that was the you know the the center point where you go like, oh man that's really like my dad gave me a tape recorder okay. when i was like eight and when i hit record and play and i heard my voice record and then i played it back i think that was <laughs> that device yeah. changed, like that's me that's totally. wow okay i can ask questions with this i can interview my mom about what's for dinner was there a moment like that for you <sighs> oh yes for sure so i mean for me just the context 
grew up in Virginia, East Coast. I had two older brothers and athlete my entire life, played hockey for 10 years, played oh, cool. lacrosse. Um, and then sophomore year of high school, I was playing football, and it was the first day of hitting practice. You know, pads are going on, you're having a oh, great boy. time in the field. You used to play sports growing up? Uh, I'll tell you, I'll okay, get to my yeah. second. I want so, to So, um, first day of hitting practice, end up getting injured. I've hit my head on the ground, my mm. helmet's falling off. Next morning, can't move my head a millimeter, get x-rays. Doctor comes into the room and says, good news and bad news. Good news is, you're not paralyzed. Bad news is, if you've been in a neck brace for six months, can never play football again, and uh, we have to really under see like yeah. where your spine goes and how it recovers to see uh, what you can never do again. And this is, this is a 16 year old kid that like yeah. grew up since I was. And the word never old. and again when you're hearing that it's yeah, 16 so it's is like your like identity, impossible. right? Right. Yeah. Identity stripped away, mm. and I walked out the you know building that day just lost, confused, pissed off at the world. And it was during that six month period where at first it was filled with resentment and anger, but then turned into something some of that I can relate to you or just finding that path of personal development, like picking right. up biographies. And I grew up like I was by no means a reader and I loved reading, yeah. but by following these different people on social media that inspired me and that I was just watching, picked up Think and Grow Rich. So you, you were friends. finding that you were looking for people, I, you were looking I, for I reinforcement? Looking, I think it was like, I was curious, mm. right? Like I saw this guy, Gary Vaynerchuk, he put all this you know, content on social media and saw him. And I yeah. think a lot of kids my age at that time, or even today, they shut themselves off from opportunity by just not going deeper and like really diving down a rabbit hole and like see how far you can go. And I think for me, it was just like being willing to open it up and look in and then just immerse myself in this whole Got world it. of business, entrepreneurship. And yeah. by like six months later, I'm, started an advertising agency in my local hometown of Virginia. Then I, I looked at myself and I'm like, okay, I'm following these people on social media. I come from a small town with no like business relationships, no true mentors in my life. Right. How can I go talk to people that are like, mm. doing exciting things? And the podcast initially was the excuse and ended up doing so cool. like 90 interviews in the first 60 days of having the show and just wow. went all in on that craft. And this that, is, that was the moment. But but now let me ask the ridiculous question, <laughs> and I expect a ridiculous answer. Like, do you do you look back on the day you got hit and you hit your head as um, as something serendipitous or a moment that that defines you the way that you see yourself today, or do you look at it like, no, I would have been a great fucking football player if I <laughs> you know didn't take that hit? Like, dude, I was I was so driven as a kid yeah. like in sports, where I mean, being five foot five and wanting to be a running back, I mean, chances are if it wasn't the first day, I probably would have got hit or hurt that <laughs> season, right? <laughs> okay, um, fair enough. But my goal was go to UVA, play lacrosse. Yeah, and I really had no other plans besides okay. that. Like both of my older brothers, they didn't go to college. I I was taking AP classes and like took my school seriously. And right. then when I pivoted to immersing myself in entrepreneurship, senior year, I took three classes. I was leaving at 10 a.m. every day. I was, you know, starting my business, doing interviews, and I just yeah. completely switched like my entire being. Yeah. But I really don't know. Like when I think about who I would have been, right? It is kind of frightening. To I'd, think like, about. I'd like to think that at the end of this life, it's it, you know, there's a there's a element of simulation and you're allowed to sit in a monitor and they go like, would you like to see what your life would have been? Should oh the God. football thing happen? Or you're going to find this really interesting. I, you know, I, I had a routine that I was trying to work on recently where, um, you know, it's a little dark, so I'm not exactly sure if it's going to play here, but uh, the idea, the idea was like, 
you're gonna pass away someday there'll be a person meeting you and whatever like you know the man upstairs or some liaison they're gonna be uh they're gonna be like what did you think of the car crash when you're 18 oh that was fucked up right it was good though right you did good you did good like you got a let's see we 90 uh, 90 score on that like it's almost like everything i believe my whole thing on it and why i asked you that was like uh, i have to believe that um it's like life feels like it was meant to be like if you take on all the challenges and you're willing to accept that it's hard that the whole thing is fucking up it's a brutal maze but if you lean into it and you play it you get these uh like moments of dynamic holy shit (laughs) you know success call it or call it a number of things they say success and so I'd like to believe that like all those things that are tra- traumatic moments in yeah. my life or capsizing moments are the things that someday you get to in the next life look at and be like, oh man, yeah. you know, I lived, uh, my human experience was one of evolution and, and growth and finding ways to turn uh, failure into victory. Absolutely. I yeah. love that. And I, yeah. I appreciate you asking questions back. I, I think that moment... Like, yeah, I'm sometimes curious. you forget because you're just sitting here like, hey, <laughs> right? It's like, yeah. wait, I'm allowed to. <laughs> you're like, cut that. <laughs> I, 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 I genuinely love it. On this. What, what um, <laughs> for you? Like, you said sports. Yeah. I wanted to go back there. Growing up, yeah, playing sports. Oh, you're my yeah, sports. What, what ready? Yeah, talk Here's to me. my football story. I I signed up to play football. It was like 10th grade, Arlington High School, and my early joke 1992 or 93 i said on the first play of practice i got fucking hit and it knocked me right into west side story <laughs> i was in drama like 10 minutes later i was like oh i'm god. never getting hit again i hated it oh my god and, the, and it was only because i was such at that point i was very beta i was okay. very like non-confrontational i didn't like getting hit i didn't like even getting the ball i didn't want to be the decision maker what position were you playing i don't remember fear-based i don't know like wherever like the the most scared you could be i just remember i did it for my dad because my dad was a a broad i got his shoulders my broad shoulder he was a boxer he was a football player he went to boston college he still has records on the books at boston college for like most consecutive uh foul shots without a a miss i mean the guy was athleticism (laughs) i'm his only son and I just wanted to be in drama. I wanted to be yeah. in like Billy Crocker and, and uh, you know, Anything Goes. Yeah. I was like a song and dance man, entertainer. So one football play, one hit. Gone. I was like. You quit? See, like, I was done. Gone. <laughs> no, no, literally it knocked me into drama class. It was like, I, I wow. realized my calling was acting like a football player. Got it. Yeah, you can experience that, but not actually. Yeah, yeah. It's a costume. I don't want to be yeah, in the actual yeah. uniform, but I'd like sure. to be in, uh, uh, but. The, kind of the you know the cool thing there was as my dad's relationship um you know it really it was tested but as as we grew closer over the years um the thing that was so gratifying was the center of our lives was i was overlapping and i was involved in a lot of things in athletics that he loved because he yeah. wanted to see me do that but it was like through acting or through charity events and yeah. you know working with people that he grew up watching on the Bruins or that and suddenly they're my friends they're fans yeah so he got That's to so see cool. his son accomplish and he also got to see that it could still the arts is very much a part of the athletic 
realm yeah. as well. And so for all those reasons, it was a great way to like, uh, you know, the adhesive of my dad and I still was like at the core sports yeah you know that's incredible yeah he, he understood comedy was a sport he understood it was very fucking competitive absolutely and it was really not as you know light and fluffy and <laughs> just jokes and punchlines that we it, saw in johnny carson too right oh, man, hyper competitive if i had to go back and you said all right reset 1990 do it again i'd be like can I be a brain surgeon? Because <laughs> I don't think I could go through wow. some of it. If I knew what I, yeah. you know, naivete was the, the best gift that uh, mm -hmm. you could have been given as your, you know, in your youth, because it's yeah. it was hard, man. It was and it was um, sometimes it was unsettling because, you know, you would see the people that you admired and and uh, not all of them were the happy faces on television. Yeah. But then that made you understand. Oh. I too am doing this as somewhat of a facade because I'm trying to circumvent that I'm very sad mm -hmm. from some of the things that I experienced that I'm not very sad all the time, but I have a lot of this in me. You deal with it. Um, so yeah, so for a number of reasons, this uh, this racket is like, you know, you gotta, the, the, I think I said to somebody recently, I said like, you know, start being introspective you know you're a young person journey inward because the better you get to know yourself you'll be able to handle once you're under the the magnifying glass or you'll be able to handle when nobody gives a shit mm -hmm. and and that is the loneliest lonely like when yeah. you go through a period where you're like i think i'm doing well but nobody cares yeah it, you'll say that oh nobody cares you got to get away from that and you start to realize this is the moment where you have to be your number one champion mm -hmm. the only person who's supposed to care in that moment is you. You're the only thing that is gonna provide that door to open up. And you're looking for the door and you're forgetting, if I do the work, then I might be able to just create that myself. I love that. I, yeah. I mean, I myself, I'm a big journaler. Like I try to journal and kind of like yeah. Do you write do calligraphy? <laughs> That's what Dave does. Meltzer. <laughs> Jacqueline lives with Dave. He does calligraphy every day. Every day. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but no, I. Not out, not a paper on it. Beautiful. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> of course. Uh, no, but I. It's funny because I. Whenever I got into journaling, I would write sort of these future-based messages where I start every journal entry with like, Casey, kind of like, what are you going through? I kind of talk to myself yep. in like a weird way. But I, in the moment, I'm always like, okay, this is cool, but I appreciate it a hundred times more when I read it back to myself yeah. a month later. Even a day later, you're like, wow, like taking the time to just be present and know yourself and kind of take that time. Right. I feel like a lot of people don't take the time for themselves sure. and therefore they lose themselves in the pursuit Dude, of something else it's hard because when you take that time to when you take that time to look at yourself the the reality is yeah. you're not going to like a lot of what you see and there's yeah. going to be things that like you know when you're judge and jury to yourself it you know sometimes there's amends that you know you need to make sometimes we all make mistakes you could hurt somebody you hurt people like you gotta you know that's the that is such a it's a delicate you know it's a delicate moment when you finally realize I want to be the best version of myself, mm -hmm. but I don't really like me for a lot of reasons. And that's yeah. like, man, that, uh, that transition. So it's not yeah. for everybody. And you understand why some people just put on the, the facade and don't ever want to do that. But yeah. it's so gratifying when you do, it's the best way to live living present and knowing like, uh, you know, people that come or go into my life it's based on who i really am and not of something mm -hmm. that i'm you know yeah trying to enhance or put forward so absolutely i, I want to talk about the transitionary periods in your life where it's like 
we talked about Matt earlier of like embracing being a comedian as you yeah. did, but then that turned into being in the movies and like there's the business element. Sure. Like for you, when did you start to just add on these layers of like, okay, oh. let me go be an actor and let me like dive yeah. in there. Like what was that first experience of yeah, yeah. being knocked from the field to the art oh, and then yeah, now yeah. being able to like do what you love, but then have these opportunities like being in these iconic movies. It now. was, it was, uh, like mesmerizing to get like those early phone calls where I'd come home to my apartment and like, you know, Kevin Costner <laughs> called me, got my number, and like I, you know, the heroes of mine, people yeah. that I, and to be invited into their sandbox to be able to play. And I mean, I always wanted to act. I grew up playing music. I love guitar. I was singing. I was doing brought, you know, doing plays. So, you know, a Mel Brooks who I grew up just. I mean, forget, I don't even know if idolizing is the right word, but to have him call me in my yeah. car one day and say, we're doing the producers at the Hollywood Bowl. I'd love for you to come in and be Franz. And I'm like, is this real life, you know? <laughs> and so to be able to have all those, um, to, to know that stand-up introduced me to somebody who then became a fan or was mm -hmm. interested in how I operated. And then they say, hey, why don't you come over and you go from, um, the somewhat lonely entrepreneurial, uh, you know, guy on stage at the helm with the mic to then being like, I'm now I'm just a piece of a puzzle with everybody else. Yeah. And that's just as alluring. It's yeah. just as important to me because sometimes I don't want to be out front. I just want to be a, a, a part of the story. Mm -hmm. And how do I, how can I play that character? And, you know, it's so entirely different. It uses a different part of my creativity yeah. to show up on your thing. You, I, I'm making the movie. You're the guy at the gas station, but it's pivotal yeah. because the things that you say are going to, you know, domino affect the rest of you go, That's that's interesting to me in the same way. If you said, now go make Madison Square Garden laugh, 20,000 people. It's like, oh, I get to come at this in a completely different way. And I, it's it's important because it's important to you mm -hmm. as opposed to stand up is like, what's important to me and then everybody listens. Yeah. It's like, what's important to it's you and is. how it's can we act. objectives together? I think yep. that goes all the way back to being this lonely kid and feeling like, where do I fit in? I, I don't feel like I belong on teams or anything. So I think even at 51, I still sometimes to be very like, it's like sometimes I just want to fit in. Yeah. Sometimes I just want that phone call and, and weirdly, success sometimes makes people go oh i didn't call you because i you just i didn't want to you you're doing your thing you're like no i'm just sitting here sometimes waiting for somebody to go you want to explore an idea with me and so when those doors started opening i tell you man i was like i i was like uh giddy most mornings giddy i'd wake up and i'm not even kidding i'd wake up and go like this and like i'd just lay in bed and be like i couldn't like what am I who's gonna call today yeah what what tour date wants me what like it, there was a good stretch of time where it was like all right the hard harder years are working yeah. the momentum is caught up I'm not <laughs> there's no part of the career yet that you get where it's like either the fallout of favor or you're or whatever like there's backlash all the other good yeah. stuff that comes of course I was in the middle spot where it was just ah, <laughs> how, yes! did, hey, how do how did you think about like managing that time meaning you know opportunities business yeah. whether that's agents you name it like how was the business like i should ask what was the business side of being a comedian back yeah. then and how did you think about it and how has it changed over time the, bu the business side was sometimes just as um just as 
singular as the stand-up because I loved computers. I was geeking out over everything from early incarnations of AOL Instant Messenger, <laughs> and I understood email, and I was defragment, uh, defragging hard drives on my old yeah. Dell. I, I, I was that guy when yeah. I came home. I loved, I'd go to Fry's Electronics out here was like, a, or like an electronic shop. So I loved that stuff. And what I found was the business side of it, even some of the people at the time, my managers or whoever, nobody really got it. You know, I was a college age kid performing at a lot of colleges. Um, and so I felt like even my first like admin page logging in and sell, I was a fulfillment center. I would okay. package the CD, I would send it to you. Sometimes I would throw things in my kitchen, paper <laughs> towels, or I'd like write now, like I was literally the, yeah. you know, you, you would sign up on my website, you would purchase, I would, I, okay, they sent me the money. I, yeah. I was doing everything. Wow. So for me, before it became like a bigger branding and business thing, um, I just enjoyed that. I was like, oh, I'm still, I'm still, um, kind of in everything. control and I'm yeah. and I'm growing with the business. I'm learning a little bit more. I didn't know what a fulfillment center was. Yeah. And then suddenly I learned like, okay, there was now a place in New Hampshire that I could they could help me facilitate yeah. the orders and the, so I learned as I went. Yeah, I love it. And for people like, for people that don't know anything about the comedy business, obviously it's like if you're doing tours, there's ticket sales and there's working with brands and there's right. acting gigs. Like talk to me about the different buckets that they came yeah. into your life of maybe that's investments in companies or you know getting equity in deals and right. how you think it's about very different it now holistically. though. You know, Casey, it's changed so much because, yeah. you know, even at that time, um, stand-up comedy, you know, coming out of the and stand-up comedy was pretty much dead in the '90s. The record deals and stuff happening in the early 2000s, like it wasn't what it is today. It wasn't looked upon as like. You know, in, you didn't have podcast. You didn't have the other 23 hours of the day to like enhance. <laughs> yeah. So there was no advertising, nothing yeah. like that. So it, the way I do business now is very different. For but for that like decade, it was really like okay. Um, investing was like investing back into like a dynamic website at that time, right? <laughs> yeah. Something with more whistles and bells. Uh, maybe seeing if sometimes I would actually be my own promoter. I would rent out the venue like mm -hmm. sometimes I would actually find arenas on an off night I could find like a B or a C arena in say Edmonton and say well, uh, hey it's not hockey season what do you guys have in there in February and they'd say nothing and I go oh, um, if I wanted to rent it on a Tuesday <laughs> like a big Elks Lodge or something yeah. and they'd be like uh, it's 35000 and I'd be like I'd look at my bank account and I'd be like I'll do that because then I knew I could set the ticket price. Yeah. I had my friends come up and sell merch, which. Wow. So you do that. You would book an arena. The whole thing. Yeah. Wow. Just full. And you've yeah. done that. Like even speaking to your special, like that's all self, self-funded, self-produced. Yeah. Even everything. here, the one that I shot yeah. here. Yes. Where, where do you, why did you, not why, but what made you decide to do those things? Oh. Like the entrepreneurial spirit is yeah, obviously yeah. within you, but that's obviously compounded over time to then doing specials and controlling yeah. everything. Um, when, you know, I'm sure you could have gone in so many different directions. What led you to just stick on that path of doing it yourself and, and Good controlling question. it? Good question, because it brings a lot it brings a lot up when you say that. Yeah. Because it's like some of it was crooked deals, you know, bad bad uh, business people, bad business affairs. Mm -hmm. Something I also try to teach people, like, you know, you're going to meet somebody who's going to shake your hand. They're going to love you, and they're going to they might. But when they take that contract, there's another office down the hall called Business Affairs, and they don't fucking love you. Yeah. They don't give a shit. They just want the best deal for that company. So you you got to be prepared 
to go into a meeting and say, this is exactly what I want and what I want to bring to the table, you know, for you, for your yeah. company, your, your organization. And I think that like, when I look back on that time and really for me more than anything, uh, I don't hope this answers your question. I mean, in a roundabout way, like for that time, calling an arena and doing all that stuff, my, I, I, I figured it out on my own. Yeah. But I also, some of it was because I was like, man, I'm getting some bad business deals with people and I'm not walking away with what I anticipated. Mm -hmm. But even more mission critical was like this idea of like learning about IP, intellectual property. Yeah. And then learning about royalties and mechanical royalties and looking at really what am I putting out there? And how can I someday, initially the idea was, how can I someday just have it and give it to my kids? Mm. But then learning you can't, cause you don't like, there's certain things that I have in my catalog that I don't own. Like yeah. HBO has Vicious Circle. Yeah. HBO came in and said, we're gonna pay this much money. Or da, da, da. But then years later, it's like, I don't have a say. Yeah. Unless yeah, I well, go to HBO that. and try to do a new deal or maybe, maybe, maybe yeah. there's some haggling or <laughs> do this for us or whatever. But the point is, it's like, I can't stress to people enough, and you know, because you're in this position where you've built this yourself. If you can if you can find people that will support you that aren't the billionaire corporations that are gonna like put the money in, but then own everything based on the paperwork. If you yeah. can find those people that are like, like true in, partners. on the come up, yeah, then it's, you have to just believe me when I say this. Of course the money's great. The money's fucking great. <laughs> the money buys you the cool car and the money buys you like the better steak and the money buys you like you take the person out on the date. But I promise you, years later, you won't care about any of that. The car will get old. There's always a new dinner. Yeah. Relationships change. <laughs> but you'll go, why don't I own my shit? Mm -hmm. And what if you only have one great moment and then you go off into something else something else that you might find great but it's not as lucrative but you yeah. don't own the one p i get look i have goosebumps <laughs> now talking about it. you know yeah. why because i want you to own that yeah and i want to own that and if it fails at least i own it and i can't say man this thing that we did together failed because they paid mm -hmm. for it and they didn't give a shit yeah fuck <laughs> we should have finished it so i say finish it get it paid for figure out how to do it yourself Figure out how to rent the arena with your own pocket yeah. change or whatever you got saved up. At that time, I had like 400 grand and I'm like betting on myself, 35,000. Okay, I brought in 80. Okay, another 35,000. Yeah. I just brought in 90. I'm gambling on myself. Yeah. If you have the content, well then you can go to those billionaires and say, sure, but I want it back. <laughs> you can lease it. Absolutely. Here's a window. And I did that with Troublemaker, which was the special that I did before COVID. And I leased it to Showtime. And then I leased it to Comedy Central. And you know, you know where it is now? It's on my desk. <laughs> I, I haven't even re-released it yet. I'm, there's a company that came to me recently and said, hey, would you like to put it on AVOD or something like that? Or I was like, yeah. yeah, we could talk about that. And I just love that. You own it. Even if it's doing nothing. Now you might say, well, that's stupid. You should be <laughs> making money. No, the point isn't just to make the money. The point is, I pull it back sometimes and I go, I just wanna hold this and sit. Maybe there's something in it I'm not yeah. like standing by me. I, for any reason, maybe it's none of your business, but I get to decide yeah. when it's out in the world. And then when I'm ready for it to get pulled, I get to do that too. So IP, so, man, IP, I it's it. all about IP. I, I love how you put such an emphasis on that yeah. over time. And I wanna ask, when it comes to the lucrative deals, how is like being a, a kid from Boston that going back at the beginning of this interview, like grew up in a 
you said a, a tilted household. Yeah. How has your mindset changed on money over the years as you got more successful? Obviously, you're, you know, you talk about the better steak, the better car, the better house, the peace that comes with it. Yeah. Like, what would be your advice to your younger self just on, on money and mm -hmm. how has your mindset on money changed? Um, we were like a welfare family, so we had like, we were in the system. We got like food stamps and free lunch tickets. Um, when we were short on money, the Salvation Army would come by and sometimes put um, oil in the furnace, like so we could have heat. Um, wow. I started paying board when I was 15. I would kick in to the house. I would. I worked, I was a dietary in a nursing home. I was in a convenience store yeah, marrying the labels. Yep. And I would come home and I'd make 60 bucks and I'd have to give my mom 10. I hated it. I was literally like, mom, you're like a, it's like, you know, this is, this is not, you know, you're my mom. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, nope, everybody contributes. Everybody contributes. And so I, I had a understanding money is important if you want to have, you know, keep, keep nice things or keep the roof over your head. But I also didn't put a lot of value in money. I understood that money could provide more ways to be creative. Mm -hmm. And so I think as I got older and I'd gone through, again, ups and downs financially, not everything I can get into right now, but uh, having had not and then had and then have not and had, um, it, it only ever provides me a chance to be creative again. And if I have it or I don't have it, that remained. Yeah. And so money always, I feel like, just reminded me that it doesn't change who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't change anything about who, how I live my life. If, if we have it and there's a nice thing to be had, cool. <laughs> and if I don't, I'm still going to wake up and go like, how do I figure out how to make something today, create something today? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's like I, I, have a, it's, I have an interesting relationship with, you know, with money because I also go like, I've made enough now to where I, I've invested in companies, I mm -hmm. buy homes, I, I've put it back into my you know, company, other companies, and yeah. so now I'm weirdly at a place where I'm like, oh, I don't need to even think about it anymore. It's, yeah. it's working for working me for even it. away. Um, but my first thought every morning is still, how can I make something today? Yeah, you know? that's incredible. Yeah. What is your, you know, it's August 2023 now. Like when you wake up, like what are some of the daily rituals that you have? I mean, you're you said you're 51, right? Like yeah. You clearly take care of yourself. Like what is when it comes to? I'm in there every and, day. I go. Okay. Swim. Like yeah, talk to me about your daily routine. I have a swim tether, and it keeps you right in the middle of the pool. So I put on like little goggles. I put on an underwater headset. I listen to podcast. Uh, okay. Self affirm. You know, self help. What, what kind stuff. of podcast? I'm curious. Uh, anything. Anything I can okay. find. Honestly, like I, I'm the kind of person that like I can just whatever any okay. podcast if i feel like if it's just an interesting oh, i've never listened to a podcast about uh yeah. you know, how to build an extension off of your house i know nothing about that love that um no like staples as, though no like key things that you listen to I'm i mean scared. i like stuff like you know smart lists or you know yeah. I, some of the stuff that i'll key in and like i, I even like excerpts sometimes yeah. people put like a bunch of like best of stuff um but you can listen to anything music audiobooks i, I tend to listen to music Sometimes nothing, just ruminate. Yeah. You know, when you're in one place and you're in the water, there's something. I don't know if the Pisces in me. I just, <laughs> I'm just in that. And the thing yeah. I like about the tether is I'm just in one place. You're not doing laps or anything. And I've got a little breathing apparatus and I'm just, <laughs> I do it every day. 
it's a it's 30 minutes and it's the best burn you can get it yeah. really like you get out of the water and you're it's refreshing but then you're sweating for sure and you look down and you're like oh that's a 800 <laughs> calorie burn or whatever it might be so that's every day uh i i didn't even know what keto was growing up but i was keto what i i don't think i've eaten breakfast my whole life wow i've always woken up you know I don't get hungry in the morning. I've never been yeah, hungry. Right it's fast for a long yeah, time. Yeah, I basically am yeah. like, yeah, keto, intermittent fast. I was like, sure. oh shit, like I, so I don't usually eat till about two, but everything from when I get up at nine is, you know, getting the dogs put together. Kelsey's already gone, because Kelsey is a Pilates instructor. Yeah. So she's always like her early, people do their classes before work. So yep. she's out the door at like six o'clock, get up, hang with the pups. And then I love the moment Sometimes I'll have like little half of an energy drink or something. I love the moment walking into my office and I sit down and I fire up that computer and go like, okay, like what, what's new coming in? It's, I'm still like a kid, like <laughs> who, who's interested? Like, yeah, you know, I check the social media, the DMs, you know, again, get like back in the mix. It's a little of everything. I like that. It's an equalizer. People keep you humble. People keep rooting for you. People champion you. Some people don't get you. It keeps you very, you know, if you can take it, the slings and arrows sometimes, <laughs> like it's kind of good. Cause also like, if you're really healthy with yourself, no matter what somebody says, even if it's fucked up and I've read fucked up, sure. you kind of go, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. I can read this and I better understand myself. Cause for I sure. can go, wow, this person <laughs> wrote this. It's kind of funny. Um, and then fire up the computer. And then I think the thing that right now in real time I'm the most excited about is I'm doing a documentary with an incredible group of people um, out of Canada and we're telling a story that I can't get too much into okay. for legal reasons. I'm under contract, yeah. but I'm telling a story about a hardship with my brother who was my business manager. Yeah. It was at the peak of my comedy career and it was probably at the saddest moment of my life because my parents had passed away and then my brother did some things that were so malicious and just completely unfathomable but it's it's the funniest moment of my life in the peak right the peak yeah. peak like the this is silly yeah but it's the abyss of sadness in my life and we're doing a doc about it and we're telling the story and we have unbelievable people and the crew but the people like that are that are stepping up to do interviews. Of course, I've done a lot of my interviews, yeah. but the purpose of it is to go, if I can take this moment in my life, the, the, the hard, I'll say the hardest, even though it's like, it's the hardest moment of my life. And I thought it even when it happened, in real time happening, in real time now, I said, if I can entertain people with this someday. <laughs> you thought about that when I, it was happening. I, I knew even when I was broken and busted, yeah. and I was a puddle. But I was already having notions of if I can, if I can come back from what this is, even not knowing what it was, whatever's yeah. happening, if I can, I know it's going to be the most empowering, entertaining thing I <laughs> ever do in my life. So I, I kind of feel like I'm probably making the best thing I've ever made and That's might exciting. ever make for the rest of my life right wow. now. That That's my morning every day. I, I know you can't talk about it too much, yeah. but is there like a specific date in mind when people watching or listening can expect oh, this? Uh, well, the hope would be, I mean, this is where you start getting into like yeah, of course. The, the PR of it all. I, I think they want it for like film festivals next fall. Got it. So I imagine they're going to like. That's exciting. Be, oh, man. it It's exciting too to be able to actually look at 
these moments and go, um, wow, like I can laugh at some of these things that I wasn't laughing at. Yeah. And I can actually be emotional about things that I wasn't ready to let down my guard. And I'm, yeah. trust me, it's hard. I leave the set some days. I'm like, oh, no, that I was gonna... too much. I think yeah, I, was, I opened sure. up a little of them. I gave everybody my power. I passed my power around the whole room <laughs> and then I forgot it was in the room and I came back. Who's got my power? Can I please? Um, yeah. So for a number of reasons, I, as you can tell, I'm, I'm really stoked about yeah. it. Yeah. I'm curious. I, I am a big reader and whenever I read a book and you know, someone's going through like the darkest, deepest moments in your life, yeah, yeah, yeah. as a reader, it's, you're just like, wow, like, I appreciate how much they're sharing. Yeah. But then you, I pause and I'll think like, damn, that was probably hard to like, put the words down and say, okay, the world's going to read this. Like, yeah. How do those thoughts oh, wow. come into your mind? And how do you think about that? Can't and think I, too, too much about it because that's almost like being a comedian being like, this is funny. I'm funny. It kind of, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like the sure. ebb and flow. You, you just got to kind of surf it. But I, um, I have left the set on a couple of occasions and just, you know, Kelsey was with me one day when we did, uh, eight hours of like eight hours of me walk, like talking through my whole life, yeah. which I've never done. I haven't done up until that point. I've done therapy. I I've talked about excerpts of my life and fragments and things, but I've never walked somebody through, <clears throat> excuse me, I've never walked somebody through the entire thing. And what that did to me emotionally, I was not mm. expecting. And wow. so, um, you know, yeah, if I think about it too much, I'd be like, oh boy, I'm, there might be some memes out there at some point, and like, it, you know, but yeah. but I'm ready for it, honestly. What do you, uh, like, what would you say you learned about yourself through that? Because even me, I, you said- Through the doing the dark? No, no, from, like the, from the eight hour session, because I feel like I've, not many people oh, wow. to just sit down for eight hours and they, in, a, in the context of putting together a thorough documentary, right? Like we could all have conversations with myself. Yeah. You can shoot a quick 10 minute video to yourself, but it's rare that I believe a human that then you get to really sit down and walk through your life. Like, what did you learn about yourself having wow, what that a depth great question. of reflection? I can only answer with the first thing I thought of, and that's that I made my mom really proud. Mm. That I sat there as the man that she really believed that I could and should be. You know, she raised him too. Yeah. But I knew, I knew in my heart, like, you know, here's the thing. My mom prepared me for this career, gave me the incentive, the reinforcement. She was my compass. She was my cheerleader champion. And, and she loved coming to shows and she loved to laugh. <laughs> um, but it was always her and I. And when this thing happened after she'd passed away, it was like, um, I remember just kind of daydreaming on it one day and, and, and whether it was her voice coming through or me thinking what she would say, it was like, all right, honey, now do everything again, but by yourself. Mm. Prove wow. to you, I knew you did this for me and us but now do it again, the whole thing, from nothing to something, but do it for you. Wow. And so sitting in that chair, sometimes I'd turn to Kelsey or I'd, I'd whatever, just kind of like take in the environment and be like, I know that she is so um, proud yeah. that I'm, I'm okay, I'm good. That's incredible. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that for sure. Yeah, man. Thank you. You almost yeah. got me. <laughs> I felt the tear duct do that thing where it kind of, I talk about my no, mom and I go there, no, man. She was the absolutely. best. The no, best. I, and we could go yeah. deeper, but I, I want to change the tone a little bit. Okay. When you think about, and again, I appreciate you sharing that, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing this when oh, this comes yeah. out, for sure. Absolutely, man. You'll be at the premiere, you'll be at one of the, <laughs> the showings, and we'll be there, and hopefully it's... Uh, maybe maybe we'll do a, a round two of this after it comes that out. Wouldn't be a That'd bad be idea. Great. Okay, cool. Um, when you think about comedy today, like 
what makes you laugh? Like, well, your humor, when you go and see a comedian, like, yeah. what do you look for and what makes a great comedian for you as a as an audience member? It's, it's still a hodgepodge. It's still everything. Okay. It's still the, the the comment that goes on at the end of the night and he's outlandish and the crowd's dead and tired and they're just going to say some shock shit. And it's still the person that's brand new and they're not very funny and they're not very well prepared, but they said one thing that worked. Walking into the club looking what's the lineup tonight i know where i'm up and then be oh nikki's in here tonight or i haven't seen maz in a yeah. little bit or you know uh, kevin hart swinging through tiffany um that to me is still the stuff that makes me the unexpected and the randomness mm -hmm. uh it's it's so it's so simple to say that but it's what i loved the first year i'd walk into a club i go okay i'm not on they don't know who i am um I know a couple of people on the lineup, like some Boston legends, and then they, you'd hear people whispering, what, what, hey, Rob Williams is in town. He might swing through here tonight. And to me, that was always like the thing that would incite the most laughter and stuff from me is like yeah. the journey, the, the people sitting in that room, that's the show. And once everybody disperses, that's it. But what happened in that room, whether you liked it or didn't or were offended yeah. or loved it or <laughs> laughed where you shouldn't have laughed, like... That's what I'm laughing at more. I'm laughing standing at the back of the room. I'm laughing with the experience of everybody sitting there and watching somebody who most likely is a friend or a peer, and I'm seeing them get it get it done in some way. It's awesome. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. How many, uh, like, today, when it comes to, like, you live in L.A., how yep. often are you going to comedy clubs and still in that scene of wanting to see who's new and what's high, but also seeing friends and just being in that serendipitous of, oh, yeah. learn town, swinging by, like, what does that look like in your life as someone still, that's so in it? Still love the weekend. If I'm not on the road, it's like still weekend shows, always Friday, Saturday. Um, it used to be every night. I forced myself about 10 years ago to go Sunday nights, Sunday night off. Okay. <laughs> it used to be every night. All the, I have journals from like 1990, well, 93, when I started really getting a lot of work, probably until around like 2010. And you're like, did you ever not go out? I was doing a show every night. So wow. I try to get on, for me, a good week now is if I get on four nights a week, I'm more articulate with what I'm there to do, even in a limited time. I used to be able to do like 15 sets in a week yeah. uh, and be like, well, how much work did I do? <laughs> Some of it was just like, I just want to be funny tonight. Yeah. But now I can go in and like, okay. That 20, I did that last night. That's good. I need to tweak that a little bit. Let me piece, bring that piece in. Um, four, I like to get five sets in, but if yeah. I can do four a night, then that's that's good for me. That's great. Four, not four a night, four a week. Yeah, four a week. Yeah. yeah. Four a night, no. Like New York City was, let's see, three show. I go Comedy Cellar, the Boston Comedy Club, back to the Cellar, the Wah, back over to the Boston Comedy Club. <sighs> Uh, up to the comic strip, back down to Caroline, sometimes swing through Gotham, Dangerfields. Oh my you God. could do uh, eight sets, eight, nine. Everything was cash. And then at the end of the weekend, <laughs> you just pull out a fucking wad of money. And just like, all, you just look at oh it on God. the table and you'd be like, for slinging jokes. <laughs> you know, wow, wow, yeah. it was crazy. So yeah, five I, I, nights a week, I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy. Yeah, it is so, it's such an art. And then I'm sure like, as from the wads of cash to the, the large <laughs> checks, you're like, I'm just telling jokes out here. Yeah. Like, it, it must be such a surreal feeling. Yeah. Like, to take yeah. it to that level that you did. Bonkers. It's insane. Yeah, it really was. And there were <laughs> nights that, you know, like during the arena, you know, I've had like arena runs where I'd be, uh, you know, I did like, man, I think over a two year, I did like 181. 
Wow. Like coming back and doing another arena again. Like yeah. I did every single one of them. I don't wow. think there was anything past and, and like when you, when you were doing this. Like you were one of the first to do for the, that I, era. Yeah. 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 So what were people telling you? Are you talking to like the mentorship? Like, did you have people in your ear? Like, what was the mindset of the industry then? Yeah. When nobody, you that time? nobody was in my ear. Everybody was like, "What do I do? How do I?" You know, <laughs> it was like I was of Intel course. Dane, but um, and of course the industry is just gonna like. If you're the flavor of the whatever that is month or the year, yeah. they're like yes, they're just like whatever you say, they're gonna like go yeah. with. But the people that love and care about you and like the graduating class of comics that I came up with, you know, the real like no bullshitters, yeah. um, it it just felt like um, the most creative streak you could imagine because yeah. I wanted to make sure every night, if you saw me last night, I wanted you to feel like there was something different happening the next night yeah. so it was just it was all um passion and creativity yeah yeah what do you have a a specific process that you go through when you're you know coming up with jokes coming up with stories and how has that process changed over time it hasn't changed a lot except for the amount of time i like to hold on to a material you know probably over the last actually since like 2002 or three it was like I want to do it, lay it down on a, you know, an album or a special, and then I want to move on because I want to investigate something, you know, else. <clears throat> that also keeps you honest because then you're not yeah. like <laughs> road dogging it with the same routine and yeah. people going like, oh, I saw you do that one five years ago. Um, I've never written anything down. Ever. You don't Ever. write anything down before <laughs> any shows? No. Or like the preparation? No. Wow. Ever. I found when I tried to write things down uh, early in my career, I was so disheartened. I'd, I'd be reading my own joke, and it was just something about it sitting on a page with no laughter around it. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> like writing well, I, down. I get the, it. I, oh, I, I hated it. Yeah, I, I get it for sure. So I tried to write, didn't, and then I brought a lot of my improv background. And what I started to realize was where I wanted to get to in comedy was it doesn't have to be so finessed it has to be real but there still has to be a, a like a three-act beginning middle and end to a piece of material i'm a storyteller yeah. not a joke teller yeah. right so for me it's like there still has to be three acts in a story so it's like authenticity how can i be authentic i treat every crowd like if i was going into a party and i was going to tell you the funny story i would adapt it for how you react and the yeah. tone of the, and so that's my standup. My standup is improvisational, but the mechanics and things that I've learned and the tricks of the trade, my of cadences course. and all this stuff. And like, I know where to stand. I know where to trick you into thinking <laughs> I got it. I know where to make you think I'm insecure because it helps the joke to for you to think, I don't know at this moment if I'm, if I should say this, but I know oh, I'm going to say it. And so, the gears, all the pulleys and the, yeah. you know, little tricks and all that stuff. And at the heart of it, something called LPMs. That's laughs per minute. You want to yeah. have LPMs. A is good is story. a real thing? LPMs? LPMs, Tell yeah. me about LPMs. LPMs, laughs per minute. It's the difference between a one-man show that might be a long story with a couple of antidotes, kind of humorous, yeah. right? And then an ending that may or may not be funny. Yeah. That's a one-man show. At the end of a one-man show, you might say, like, but but who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? They're going <laughs> to applaud. The whole thing is, with me, is it doesn't matter if the, the story hit harder last night 
or wasn't as good tonight or some things were really funny Friday. In the beginning, it was a little wonky. I don't care about any of that. I know where it's going and I know I'm gonna get the LPMs. That's the last per minute. That means I'm gonna keep you laughing because it's a comedy show. I'm gonna get to the destination, which is the end, the, mm -hmm. the, the tag, the button. And it'll be different every time I tell it because that's life. Life is more improvisation than formulaic. And I don't like formulaic comedy. I can enjoy a, a comic that writes a haiku-esque formula. Like, I say this, I say this, I say this, punchline. Yeah. I respect it. I could never do it. Yeah. I love it. I wouldn't want to do it. But I like that the crowd, I like, I think I, I early on in my career was like, you know, if a, if a person in the crowd is laughing and loves me, great. But if a person in the crowd, I'm not their cup of tea, I'd still want them to be able to watch me and go, but I'm fascinated by this guy. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes from truth. Truth is fascinating, yeah. even if it's not your truth. It, you can't not be interested in somebody's truth, authentic yeah. truth. So I'm trying to like, Absolutely. I'm trying to, the and, and by the way, I'm talking to you like I know it all. I'm 32 <laughs> years in, dude. I, I sometimes seriously new. go into the club and I'm like, I feel like green and brand new. And there's wow. something that I'm like, I don't know how to do that still. And so I'm always trying to figure out, and you're never done. Yeah. You know, you just rely on certain things and they go, but can I take them here now? Mm -hmm. You know, and I really like from the context of podcasting, I, the first I think 30 interviews I ever did came, you know, all the questions prepared. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You quickly, like, I go back to them sometimes <laughs> just to like experience the growth and listen. Sure. To them. I'm 17. I'm nervous. The camera's shaky. Right. And yeah. it's just. I quickly learned what not to do, right? Like writing down the jokes, writing down the questions, and keeping it conversational. Yes. And it's like finding your style. Of course. Um, and, and you had you had to have thirty. Not that they were. I'm sure there's a lot of great stuff in there, but thirty <laughs> moments where there's mishaps. Or I used to do a thing where I would I would tape my set in Boston, and then I would fast forward it. I'd watch it in fast motion, because then I could see all my ticks. And I saw there was little movements and things that in fast motion. I saw that I had a nervous tick where I kept uh, going like this. And I would see it in fast motion. I kept doing this. Yeah. It was this weird thing that I was relying on that I was like, I need to take some of that stuff out because all those little things that are not necessary are distracting from authentic movement, things that are really in my musicality or yeah. mechanics. And so I was looking at things as like, yeah, if, if I don't need to do this, unless it's part of the joke, I shouldn't do that. And yeah. little piece by piece learning, yep. that's uncomfortable for a crowd. When I yeah. do that, they don't like that. I saw a comic recently and they were they were sitting on the stool and just the, something was very distracting. And I remember watching being like, I'm not gonna say that to that person, but at some point they might go like, man, if, if I didn't do this one thing, I'm the focus might be even greater for me yeah. as a, you know, as a storyteller or whatever. So constantly trying to figure out like like you did with those first 30 like yeah how can i just be more proficient you know and curious and, 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 in and the to moment. make it disappear to where people don't see yeah any of our professionalism <laughs> here like we don't get you know, really i think i think as you go on as a performer there should be less awards or nominations there mm. shouldn't be any of it because it, you don't look like you fucking work or try. <laughs> you know, if you're yeah, not winning anything, well, good for you. You probably blend in so well yeah. as that actor or performer yeah. that nobody thinks you're doing anything <laughs> that warrants an award, dude. That's great. Right? For sure. Yeah.
Absolutely. Um, that was just a nice way of being like, that's why I have not gotten an award. <laughs> in a long time. Oh my God. I just covered my bases right there. And that's why I don't have an Emmy nomination this year. Because it was just hey, like, hey. You live your truth. It's, the, it's probably like me. I'm, I'm like moving my hair around. I'm like, I keep doing that. Let's let's not do that anymore. <laughs> um, no, this has been good. A couple more questions here. Oh, go this for it. Is, as you think about the future, like you're young, you're healthy, you're excited, you're creative, like youngish, <laughs> but <laughs> and we live 2023. There's so many ways to, yeah. you know, age backwards. Yeah. Um, like, how do you think about the future of your life? Like, you're still doing comedy, you're still creating. You, yeah. you're in this setting of your life. It seems you're at peace here at times, and you're creating new documentaries. How do you think about the future, and what excites you? Right, like being from the small town to going on this incredible run to still being in your prime and yeah. really just in a creative act. How do you well, think about the future? Well, stand-up always excites me because it's always an evolution, you know? Uh, the comics I grew up loving, the Carlins and the Priors and stuff, it's like, it's it's always another part of your journal. Uh, it can be, you know? Yeah. I, I saw Jerry Lewis doing shows at 87. I hope wow. for the rest of my life I get to, you know, testify in some way <laughs> as a comic. Um, but I don't think, uh, I don't think people have, seen me at full power in terms of both behind the camera and ways that I've been producing and hoping to build up that repertoire of directing. But even more importantly, it's just like being a leading man in the time I was the guy, you know, employee of the month or it was awesome. <laughs> but I also realized like, uh, there's more to me and I, I want to explore that. And so I feel like the best is ahead in terms of how somebody could utilize me in a role that may be a little dark or gritty or caustic or weird. And yet if you need that, if you need the, the, the comedy or you need something that's gonna enhance or, or you know lighten a moment, I bring a lot to the table. And so I, I feel probably most excited to go, who's gonna, who's gonna figure that out with me? Yeah. You know, I, I hope I get that opportunity again. It's like, these are things that Lady Luck and, preparedness and all that and then you just hope I actually to be very honest I, I can't say who but I got a phone call very recently from a, a producer and a company that I'm like I've been big fans of I couldn't believe this guy called me out of the blue he's like hey I want to grab lunch I, I, I have you in mind for something and that's as far as I'll say wow. for now but yeah. knowing who they are knowing the kind of stuff that they do which is very different from what people know of me now yeah. he was like I kind of see you in a thing that you know, is really going to be kind of, uh, you know, uh, dark and, and twisted and, and really different. Are you interested in that? I was like, oh man, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> I hope once people see this documentary, they might be able to go, okay, there's yeah. other areas to explore. And all I want to do is take all that stuff that's, you know, happened from me or to me and put them into great characters or help you yeah. put it into something that maybe I'm behind the camera and we go like, now let's tell your story in a way that's like, gonna challenge people yeah. so I do feel like uh, that's exciting it's a it's an exciting era and getting married and feeling like hey, a month out just, getting married I know I know oh I just God. feel like I feel like I'm yeah I, I, it's so exciting I know when you feel like you're on to something and I kind of feel like I'm in that place where I'm like you know yeah it's a, it's a good it's a good time I love that yeah no and a month out from getting married I'm sure that's just this whole other aspect of your life that's yeah. the excitement and, and always part. wanted it and it was one of those things that kind of eluded me yeah. you know being young and in the industry coming breaking through in the industry when I did and and of course like I'm a young guy in the industry and I'm like taking advantage and I'm sowing oats and I'm doing like you name it yeah. I'm out there and I'm enjoying it but you know the the 
catch uh, the the catch twenty two is like, you know, we're all on the clock, yeah. and it's and it's realizing. And thank God, I realized at a certain point, you know, some years back, like, man, I need to focus that same energy into love. Yeah. I need to focus that same energy in preparing myself for somebody who wants to come in and not just be on my ride, but like we share we share something together. Yeah. You know, to be able to have that. You know, I was pretty. It was my ride for a long time. It was like, if you came into my orbit, you know, it was like, all right, you, this is 24 seven, the business sure. of Dane Cook. And to have gotten to a place where I'm like, I want to be just as interested in my partner, but I also want to have like, here's us stuff. Here's my mm -hmm. stuff. Here's your stuff. And like, I think going into this next era with that is like, makes it like, oh wow, I'm at the beginning of something that, yeah, you know, I, I'm in new territory with a person <laughs> I love. So it's, it's kind of cool. That's exciting. Yeah. I'm super excited for, for both of you guys. Yeah, thanks, excited man. for the wedding. Thank you. Can't wait to see all that. Appreciate that. We'll take cash gifts if you want to leave <laughs> it here before you go. For sure, that's, that's for sure. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I, I got to end with this. Just if you were to reflect on your life thus far and give your 18 year old, 20 year old self a mm. piece of advice, comedy advice, life advice, anything, what mm. would that advice be and why? Hmm. You know, I think that I was in a lot of pain when I was a kid, more than I even knew. I, I didn't even realize how sad I was and how much pain I was in. I was stronger than I gave myself credit for. I would not have said at the time I, I was strong at all. I felt very, I felt almost feeble, you know? And so, I think I would want to tell myself, it's funny because you go like, well, I want to tell him anything. You got to learn all this stuff and then you'll be happy later. But, but, um, it would probably be, don't be so hard on yourself. Accept the results of your truth. It's okay. If people don't like what you're doing, it's okay. If they have something to say about it, don't let the, the noise and the, the, the negativity sometimes that just comes with a person that wants to be quite literally in the light, you know, a yeah. person that like wants to be a beacon in some way, healing, comedy, entrepreneurial, friend. Mm -hmm. Cause when you put yourself in that place, um, you know, uh, people wanna sometimes take away your sparkle as they say, because they want it. Yeah. And it's okay. Like, I wish I could just give it to those people. <laughs> you know, I wish I could just say, hey, uh, you know, I know you're hurting me to try to diminish mine so you can have yours. Like, I wish I could give it to you. Yeah. I've written people who've written the worst shit ever about me. And I said, um, I don't know why you wrote this to me. I don't know why you would say that to me, but I hope you find the love that I have for what I do. Mm. I hope you find that. Wow. You know, powerful. let them off the hook. So I yeah. tell myself like, it's not just like be happy with yourself or like love yourself. It's like, you're gonna get knocked. You're gonna get knocked on your ass. Wear it like a badge of, like every time you get knocked, be like, look at this. Hell yeah. You're only getting knocked if you're fucking up. Yeah. Some people yeah. never get That's up right. to get knocked. So right. I probably just let myself know, like it's okay. It's okay to get fucking kicked and yeah. knocked and thrown down. Sometimes life, you know, you're down, 
and then you're further down and then somebody kicks you and then steps on you. It's sometimes it's not just a down and an up. Sometimes it feels like tears of, of um, you know, abuse yeah. or abandonment. Yeah. And I would just tell myself like all of those things are letting you know that you're right where you're supposed to be. I love that. Yeah. Well, appreciate you sharing that. Oh, Case, I appreciate Dane, you. Dane, this is such a pleasure having yeah, you on the thanks, show today. Man. This is Thank incredible. You. I cannot wait to just continue to, to grow with you, to, to see you at all the shows, to see the documentary. Yeah, man. Where's the best place that everyone can follow you, stay in touch with you on socials, and obviously stay in touch with this incredible documentary? Uh, I appreciate up. you asking me that, man. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, you just tell people kind of like, you can search me online and <laughs> you'll bump into me somewhere. But I think I've been, you know, I really enjoy TikTok. I feel like TikTok's been kind of a fun place to you know to be able to share a little of everything that's kind of what i've cultivated on there it's sometimes it's fun and outrageous and absurd and, yeah. and yet sometimes i can put some poignancy on there but of course danecook.com and all my tour dates for uh, the rest of the year yeah. and in ahead so that's pretty much where people can find me in the in the digital realm but yeah, i hope people it. will come out and see a live show of course because nothing is better nothing than live comedy. That's it. Absolutely. Well, I will link all that down below. Dane, thank you so much. For oh, man, dude, thank you Appreciate very much. It, of course. Thank you. I'd hug you, but we have this. <laughs> hey, we're good. We're good. <laughs> this is great.